Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. We're at the end as God has a little powwow with Job. It says, Job, you've been talking this whole book. Now it's my turn. Let me ask you some questions, Job. Where you been? When I laid the foundations of the world, where were you? Where were you? Hey, when I made all these animals, where were you? You've got all these answers. You got all this stuff. You got all this people, you know, church people. You got all this wisdom for God and everything. But where were you when he made everything? You didn't exist. It's tempting to question the Lord at times, isn't it? In today's message, Pastor James points out the questions that Job had for the Lord and how God answered those questions. The Lord has this whole thing planned out from the beginning, what we call life. He knows everything. He knows the number of hairs on our heads, the day we rise again, and when it's finally trumpet time. You have a bright future ahead of you, one that will never taste the sting of hell, death, and the grave as you believe in Him. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Revelation chapter 9 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Their king is the angel from the bottomless pit. Now, if you know anything about locusts, locusts don't have a king. Real locusts, the insect. They don't have a king, right? So that's, again, this is an indication that what John is, and you got to imagine, like put yourself in John's position, okay? As you, <laughs> like, you're just hanging out on the island of Patmos, right? You're like, people have just been trying to kill me. And here I am just one day, you know, having my devotions, and then boom, there's Jesus. And he's like, hey, I want you to come up to heaven with me. I got to show you some stuff. And you're like, what? And then you're looking at all this stuff, the heavenly throne scene with all the colors and imagery. It's just beautiful, this rainbow that's, that's over the throne of God. And then there's the, the lion of the tribe of Judah. But really, you look at him, and he's the lamb that was slain. So you're taking in all these sights and sounds and smells as well, because the, the incense, the prayers that have been going up to God, you can smell that too. And then you're looking at this thing, and you're like, you watch that as Satan is given the keys to this bottomless pit, and it's just, he's seeing these things come out of it, and he's like, what can I, what can I, how do I describe this? So he's going to use terminology that would be, you know, familiar to him and also familiar to his readers of the day. And you've got to put yourself in their position, you know, as you're watching Roman soldiers walking around or maybe um, some generals riding on horses that have been dressed for battle. This is kind of what John's doing. He's like, man, he's like, basically you can boil it down to this. These things are wicked. These things are bad. These things are wicked. They're scary. These demons that have been locked up for a good reason have now been set free on humanity. And they have a king. He's an angel from the bottomless pit. His, his name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek, Apollyon, or he's known as the destroyer, the destroyer. Some people think that this may be speaking of another angel from the pit, like another just bad dude, Okay. And then other people believe that, no, this is probably more than likely speaking of Satan. And the reference there would be from John 10, John chapter 10, where he talks about 
how Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Destroy. Whether it's Satan or another demon, a fallen angel, the goal is the same. Destruction. Destruction. Destruction on who? Destruction on humanity. Why? Because humans are made in the image of God. Humans are made in the image of God. From day one, in the garden, humanity was the enemy for Satan. Satan, you know, he had this, this thing was found in him, this pride. He wanted to be worshipped above God. And then you have these human beings who were created, and were not created like the angels, not at all. Not at all. There's, you need to understand that when people say that, you know, that, that God has he's made you and he's formed you, he's fashioned you, and there's something special about you, there really is something special about you that not even the angels can claim. Not even the angels can claim. Like, there is something absolutely just so amazing about just humanity in and of itself. That God would create us from the dirt in his image, and then he would breathe life into us. And not only that, but then we wreck it. We wreck the whole thing. Like, not even too long into the story, we ruin everything. Everything. And even before that, God, God already knew, and he was already on an active rescue mission for humanity. So you can imagine what Satan or Lucifer would be like as he's like this beautiful creation, absolutely beautiful creation, very gifted, I guess, within the worship realm of things, right, in the musical realm of things. And he looks and he sees us humans and that God has like made us in his image, you got to understand, for somebody who had already had it within him, this desire to really to go at war against God himself, and even to accumulate a third of the host of heaven, well, how many is that? Well, I don't know. Lots. Lots and lots and lots of angels were more than willing to follow Satan in a rebellion against God Almighty. Incredible. So you need to understand, this is who you're dealing with. And not just him, but also in, in the whole demonic realm. Demons are real. There is a spiritual warfare that's out there. Paul told us in Ephesians chapter 6, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It is not against each other. Please, I don't care what anybody tells you on the news. Your enemy is not somebody else, okay? Now, somebody else could be used by the enemy for sure, but you got to step behind the scenes and see that there are demonic forces that are out there. Your, this battle that we're in, engaged in, it's a spiritual war. It's a spiritual war. And there, is, there are these demons, is what we'll call them. Man, they just, hate, they just hate humanity. Yes, they hate believers. Absolutely. But they hate human beings as well. You think, I mean, this is like... I'm sure that this is probably a joy for them. They get five months to just torment humans. These humans that they're tormenting, whether they have the seal of God on their foreheads or not, are still created in his image. They're still God image bearing people. And in enemy number one for demons is God. It's God. It always has been. So this 
abyss has been opened up and man these these demons where did these demons come from a lot of people blink you know with you got a reference in in jude there's no chapters in jude it's just a letter but verse six it says i and i remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority god gave them but left the place where they belonged god has kept them chained in prisons of darkness waiting for the day of judgment there's also references in genesis back before the flood and there was angels fallen angels that came down and were, I mean, all, causing all kinds of issues. And, and you got the Nephilim, which are these, explain that, like these giants, okay? Literally giants ruling and reigning. It could, there's a lot of thoughts that that's kind of where we get our first thoughts concerning like uh, Zeus and those types of gods, you know, half God, half well, Zeus wasn't half God, half person, but Hercules, I guess, technically would have been. But that's where you start to get that mythology type stuff. Could all be connected back to that, to the Nephilim. But you got angels, these fallen angels that have been just trouble. And some of those guys get captured up and they get thrown into this abyss. Jesus, when he is dealing with um, a, demon, a demon-possessed man, and the demons are crying out to Jesus saying, hey, whatever you do, Please do not send us to the abyss. Send us into those pigs. Send us into the herd of swines. But please don't make us go into the abyss. So that, that should be just an indication in and of itself that whatever fallen angels, whatever demons are locked up in this pit, they're bad dudes that even other demons are like, can I not go hang out with those guys? <laughs> like, I don't want anything to do with them. These are bad. These are bad demons. So you, again, so we'll read through this stuff, and you're thinking it's just demons, 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 demons. You're like, ah, they're locked up. These ones are locked up. That doesn't mean all demons are locked up, because they're not. They're still, they're still demons that are, that are causing havoc on our, on our planet, that we're engaged in a sport, spiritual warfare with, but these really bad ones, they're locked up. They're locked. You won't have to deal with them. You won't have to deal with them. Goes on to say, verse 12, the first terror, or this, you know, there was a, a heads up that was given light. There are way more woes to come, okay? It says, the first terror is past, but look, two more terrors or woes are coming. So just when you thought it was bad, it gets a lot worse, okay? It says, then the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice speaking from the four horns of the golden, uh, golden or gold altar that stands in the presence of God. So this would be referencing those prayers, and more specifically, the prayers from the martyrs, okay, that we had just read about a couple of chapters uh, prior to this. The voice spoke to the sixth angel who held the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great Euphrates River. So these are angels who are bound at this great Euphrates River. These are not the four angels that are holding back the wind, okay, because we already saw a reference for those guys. What we believe is these are more demons that have been almost like imprisoned, held captive there at the Euphrates River. Why the Euphrates River? That river it has been key to the, the entirety of the Bible, right, the story, you go back into the Garden of Eden. The Euphrates River was there. So it's, also, it's, like, the, it's like the scene f- where sin first entered into mankind or into humanity, into this earth. You also have, it's, it's an indication as well as like, you know, as far as like a target point within your, your brain, it's within that region that the first murder 
took place. It's in that region that the first lie took place. It's all kind of connected to around this Euphrates River. Now, the river itself is not bad. It's just saying location-wise. The book of Revelation, um, if you don't know this, there are so many references to the Old Testament found in the book of Revelation. The reason why is it's showing that Revelation, from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is a cohesive story, okay? And you really need to read it, it all within its context. And when you read through Revelation, it really is a good idea to have a good understanding of Old Testament stories because some of these things pop back into your brain. You're like, oh yeah, that's right. And some of these locusts and, and some, you know, from, even from chapter eight with some of the stuff that was happening, it's like, yeah, I remember, like, I remember reading about that in Exodus. So it's, it's kind of like reminding you of like, listen, this is nothing new in one sense. Now, this is like the end of it all, so to speak, but Revelation is just like so rich with Old Testament history. It, it's really a fascinating thing. So if you're always looking at it as like, as we tend to do, especially, you know, in, in, in our Western culture, we're always thinking of like future forward, right? Like this, and, and for us especially, um, we're always thinking like, well, this could happen any moment. Technically, yes, that's true. It also could happen a hundred years from now, you know? We don't know. Nobody knows. But it is a great idea to, to really study the Bible as a whole so that when you go into the book of Revelation, keeping the Old Testament fresh on your brain as you're reading through this book, and you, you'll see that there's a lot of connection points um, because the Bible is just, it's one cohesive story all about Jesus. And that's the beauty of it. Sixth trumpet, the voices from the altar are, are speaking, crying out. These four angels get released uh, that were once bound at the great Euphrates River. And the four angels who had been prepared for this hour and day and month and year, like this is, you know, the Lord, this just tells you, I mean, this one verse in and of itself communicates to all of us that the Lord is in control, absolute control. It's not like he's just like, well, I'm going to take my hands off this thing and let's just see what happens. He's like, no, no, no. So we got those four angels that have been locked up at the river Euphrates. Okay, this is the day. This is the, the hour. This is the moment those guys are supposed to let, be set free. He's in control. He's sovereign. That's a, that's a fancy word, right? He's, he's in absolute control over all these events. They were turned loose to kill one-third of all the people on the earth. That's a lot of people. That is a lot of people. We've already, I mean, if you're looking at these things as separate events, like the seals and then the trumpets and then the bowls, I mean, you've already had a good portion of humanity that's been wiped out already. And now you're looking at upwards. I mean, even if you're talking about one third of the population, that's two billion people. That's two billion people wiped out. We've never seen anything anything to even come close to that. Even World War, World War I, World War II, add both of the death tolls up to that, and it doesn't even begin to scratch. You know, it doesn't even begin to get close to two billion people, assuming this happened today. Because right now, the thought is like, well, there's probably, you know, if, if we get about the estimate, it's like close to like eight billion people on this planet, or somewhere around there. I can't remember exactly what the number is right now, but so you got a third, upwards of a third, but if the population continues to grow and increase, well, then it just means more people, there's more death. It's tragic. But 
let's not forget. So you got five months of locusts, quote unquote, right? Like they should be driving people towards what? Repentance. It's bad. It's really bad. But there's an answer. That's the thing. During this time period, you still have 144,000 witnesses proclaiming the gospel. And I, I mean, there's a lot that's going on. It's not like the people of, of earth are without a witness or anything like that. They're not without an excuse. I mean, the gospel is being presented. Jesus is being proclaimed. I mean, the way out is being constantly proclaimed to everybody from the beginning of this time period to the end of this time period. They're not without an excuse. They just don't want. They just don't want them. They do not want Jesus. Goes on, verse 16. They led, these four um, angels, it says they led an army of 200 million mounted troops. I heard in an, uh, an announcement of how many they were. So John's like watching all this and he's like, I just happened to hear the number. It's 200 million. So are those 200 million actual physical human soldiers? Could be. That's a lot of dudes. That's a lot of soldiers. Is this in any way reference towards um, Gog and Magog and that, that invasion that's going to happen? Some people think so. Some people believe that's already happened at this point in time. Some people believe that, no, there's 200 million mounted troops. We'll see the horses that, are, that they're riding on, that this, again, is just another just spiritual war, spiritual army that's there, demonic army. Here's what I know. It's going from bad to worse. Like, you got demon locusts stinging everybody. Nobody's dying from that. That's like five months. I mean, I guess that's a bad five months. That's almost a... Oh, half of a year, uh, it's kind of like what we feel with this coronavirus, right? It's like, man, this has been like, well, how many months has it been? It seems like kind of the same thing. But you go from that to like, now you got this army, you got these angels, they have this ability to wipe out a third of humanity. People were begging for death with the locusts. And it's that thing of, be careful what you wish for. Because death is coming. And it's coming in droves. A third of the population, a third of all people, a third of all people. Goes on to say, and in my vision, I saw the horses and the riders sitting on them. The, the riders wore armor that was fiery red, sky blue, and yellow, like sulfur, kind of a yellow. And their horses' heads were like the heads of lions. And fire and smoke and burning sulfur billowed from their mouths. One third of all the people on the earth were killed by these three plagues, by the fire and the smoke and the burning sulfur that came from the, the mouths of the horses. So it's not really so much the riders as it is the quote unquote, quote unquote, the horses. There's fire, there's smoke, and there's this burning sulfur. This is what's wiping out humanity. Well, what is that? I have no idea. I have no clue. All I know is, it's bad. Like, that's bad. Are these like really, are they real horses? I don't know, but horses seem to be used quite a bit. I mean, we've already had, um, we've already had a couple of references of, of horses uh, with, you know, four riders, the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. We're going to see that towards the end of this book, Jesus is going to come back on a horse, and you and I, the host, you know, people from, from heaven will be riding with him on horses 
Um, I don't know. Are they real horses? I, I have no idea. It could be, I guess. It's not something to get tripped up on or anything like that. And trying to figure out like, okay, so the, the horse's heads are kind of like a lion. Was well, that literal? Is that figurative? You know, it, it pro- it's descriptive terms that John's using to describe. He's like, again, put yourself in his shoes. You're this Jewish man who's in his upper, you know, 90s, who's seen everything. And he's like, um, this is kind of what it looked like to me. You know, it, he's doing his best to describe what he's seeing. The, the point of it is not what these things really are, though. See, that's where we tend to get tripped up on. Because we, got it, we just got to know. We got to know. We got, I got to know what this means. I, is this literal? Is this figurative? I got to Don't miss the point. Because the point is this. Remember, God is in control. He's in control. And even the scariest things that maybe the enemy has to throw at you, he technically can't touch you only if God really allows him to. I mean, look, read the whole story of Job. Job went through a tremendous amount of suffering because God was bragging about Job to Satan. Did you consider my servant Job? Satan's like, oh, he only follows you because you bless him. If you took away the blessings, he'd, he'd curse you to your face. God's like, all right, well, let's check it. Let's see. Let's see. And then poor Job's just down there, ignorant as can be on planet Earth, like, you know, just thinking, it's another day, right? I'm going to make some, all, some sacrifices for my kids and all this stuff. And then those kids are gone. Those things are gone. Everything is gone in his life. He goes through a rough time period. And Satan was allowed to, what? And God had told me, he's like, yeah, he's like, just, you, you just can't kill him. You can't take his life. And we're thinking like, no, that's not right, God. No, that's not right. Like, you, that's not okay for you to let Satan do this to us. And he's like, well, did you read the whole story of Job, though? Because you really have to read the whole story to understand and to see the beauty of the book of Job. We're at the end, as God has a little powwow with Job, and says, Job, you've been talking this whole book. Now it's my turn. Let me ask you some questions, Job. Where you been? When I laid the foundations of the world, where were you? Where were you? Hey, when I made all these animals, where were you? You got all these answers. You got all this stuff. You got all this people, you know, church people. You got all this wisdom for God and every. But where were you when he made everything? You didn't exist. You didn't exist. And you don't exist unless he creates you, period, right? And then God's, and God deal, lovingly deals with Job, and then God blesses Job. You read the end of that story, and man, it's like, did he experience loss? Absolutely. Absolutely. Did God bless him and restore a lot of, man, yeah, absolutely. It's a beautiful story. It's a tremendously beautiful story. The whole point I think that we need to hold fast to concerning as we go through the book of Revelation is this, God's in control, and bad things will happen. But none of it happens beyond God's control, okay? So you could trust him. You you could read the book of Revelation, study through this thing, and you can walk away with it with this one thing. Lord, I know I can trust you. I know that I can trust you. Because you can. You can absolutely trust him.
What we learn from Revelation and many other books of the Bible is a continuous journey. We appreciate our time with you here today on Bread for the Broken. Our host is Calvary Galveston in Galveston, Texas with Pastor James Grizzle. This ministry is dedicated to spreading the truth of the gospel through the study and reading of God's Word so that everyone can find hope and new life in Jesus Christ. If this has resonated with your soul, we'd encourage you not to ignore that. Would you reach out to us by visiting our webpage, breadforthebroken.com? We'd love to talk with you. You can get started by locating the contact tab at the top of the page and submitting an email that will be securely sent to us. Better yet, why not come and join us as we worship Jesus together? We're a laid-back, uncomplicated group of people, simply seeking to love like Jesus better than we have before. We'd be overjoyed to have you come. Just mark it on your calendar Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. or Thursdays at 7 p.m. Take your pick or come to both. Understandably, not all of our listening audience is near Galveston, Texas, but we hope that you'll join us on our live stream so you don't miss out on any inspiring and challenging messages from Pastor James Grizzle. Make sure to visit breadforthebroken.com to learn more. Did the words you heard today make an impact on your day? Would you consider donating to this ministry? We're so thankful for your financial support. To get more information, go to breadforthebroken.com. That's all we have for today, here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man.